It's time for building the game. Building the game. With Jason and friends. Tabletop game design. The fun forever It's at the end of the episode. That's when it technically ends. Hello and welcome to Building the Game, a documentary podcast. Today is Monday, October 30th. Halloween Eve, yeah, if you're listening to Building the Game, I lost my train of thought with that because I tried to be witty, but it's the 30th, it's episode 596, Uh, I'm Jason, as always, and I'm here today joined by my pal and game designer, Connor Wake. Hello, Connor. Hello. Hey, it's good to have you here. Um, Yeah. You know, uh, the only reason I don't like hanging out with you is in type when you use S's instead of Z's. Uh, other than that, I think you're like the perfect person to hang out with. So yeah, that's that's come up recently, <laughs> hasn't it? <laughs> oh. No, I have I have to do this at work because uh, I born in England, so I spell everything the British way, and like right, right. work is code stuff, and all the variables have to actually be typed out the quote unquote correct way. Right, so I do right, actually right. have to keep correcting myself constantly. That's really funny. Annoying. You know, I mean, I give you a hard time about it, but the truth is, you know, you always like, you mean the correct way. I mean, <laughs> while uh, I want to do it our way, uh, because that's what I'm used to. I mean, it, it, it did. it's not like we invented English here in America. <laughs> so I mean, it's literally English. called English. <laughs> English is a mess of a language anyway. Oh, so. it's awful. It's awful. Trying to explain to my kids, like... They're like, why is this spelled this way and that spelled this way? Because English is stupid. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Yep. Um, despite, despite the fact that your English professors will try to tell you about how awesome English is, they're lying. <laughs> um, yeah. Yep. It's like Stockholm Syndrome. That's that's all it is. <laughs> oh, yeah. like, we have to believe it's good. <laughs> Definitely. So uh, what you been up to gaming-wise lately? Oh, um, not actually a ton because mm-hmm. we a lot has happened for me recently yeah um, yeah house caught fire had to move house then adopted yeah. kittens um and so it's been a bit wild um right. but i did actually get to play uh feast Roden recently which oh. was good cool first I time i played that with it, yeah. four players which is uh it ended up taking five hours but i think everyone at the table didn't realize it had taken five hours so that was a good sign <laughs> that's a bonus <laughs> But we did have the first wow. experience with the kittens. Uh, one of them got on the table, got oh, spooked no. by everyone looking at her, <laughs> and then she booked it. <laughs> and Feast Roden has lots of tiny little tokens on lots yeah. of little yeah, boys all over the place. So uh, everything went flying. <laughs> Thankfully, it was uh, the first round, so we were able to fix everything. But uh, yeah, that's been a lot. <laughs> yeah. I, I once designed a game that I was like, it was about creating a feast. I'm like, I'm going to call it feast for Pharaoh. Like that sounds catchy. Like I can't believe there's not another game like that. Like what a catchy name for a game. And then I was play testing and somebody's like, this sounds like, fe-, you know, this is the name is like feast for Odin. And I was like, <laughs> Oh, that's why that sounds familiar. Okay. Yeah. Very different games. Mine was like a small card game uh, yeah. about preparing a feast. It was actually quite fun. Um, but after that, I just kind of was like, nah, <laughs> I should go back to the system at some point. Cause the system, the way that like you could, like you were delivering, you were basically filling platters at a party. Right. Mm-hmm. And like the, um, the platters would move tables and the tables determined how the platters scored. So okay. like if I scored it this round, it's worth this much, but if I, if no one's going to take it and it's going to shift the next round, mm. I can, with the combo I have, I can actually make it worth more points yeah um and so it was like a timing thing i i went through this phase in my design like you know emily's textile phase i went through this like (laughs) when do you score points phase like this real like timing phase of like so like unreal estate is like that's the core of the game is like when how far do you push it before you score um Mm -hmm. before somebody else can you know get in your way like it's like a competitive press your luck where you're pressing your luck against the other players kind Mm -hmm. of and then um, Into the Black Forest has a lot of that similar feel of like, when you're, when should I play this trick or that trick or do this instead, you know? And so I kind of went through a phase with that where that was like, I was really like jamming on that, I guess. I mean, two of the games got published, so I guess I was doing something right. <laughs> that works. <laughs> but nothing since then. So my, I have to move out of that phase. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, sorry, this reminded me of the, um, I think last time I was on, I pitched a game about people sitting at tables and trying to put um, 
the right people at the right table so they don't hate each other. Yes, you did. You did. And I, I recently that. saw someone made that game. Oh, no. <laughs> so I'm like, cool. You literally the- <laughs> have the worst luck. It's like, you know, people talk about like, you know, when, when you think of an idea, it like puts it out there. Right. And then like somebody uh-huh. else could think of it, too. Like, if that is true, your head is literally a satellite just just broadcasting <laughs> into the world because that is like the fourth game I've heard you talk about where like you've designed something and then boom, Oops. someone else has designed something. I mean, one time someone literally just designed your game with your game, <laughs> but other times it's really been more of like, oh my gosh, this game just came out and I'm working yeah. on this prototype and what the heck. So it's kind of helps sometimes because at least I can like pivot it and it gives me a better direction. Right. Right. Not right, to do right. that. It's an interesting so like, thing too, because you're like, wow my idea has legs look at that kickstarter yeah. go but also <sighs> yeah no i had that with my uh will not's warehouse uh symbol sorting game mm-hmm. um because uh, i wanted to do a tabletop version of it mm-hmm. and then i saw that they were going to do their own version i was like mm, okay, <laughs> right. fine. that was that Never was the mind. funniest one because it was literally like i want to do a game that reminds me of this game license and then they were like, no, we're just going to make this game license. You're like, yeah. come on. But like now I've managed to, it's I based on what I saw their idea was, I was like, okay, well, I'm not going to go in that direction. I've actually managed to pull it in a different direction. I think made it more my own thing now. That's which great. Is, which feels good. That so. is awesome. Yeah. yeah. No, it's cool when you can pivot like that. It's always a bummer when you have to, but mm-hmm. it's cool when you can pull it off. Like I think yeah. the game legit can be better for it when you do that. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's always good to have different games looking at the same thing from different angles and all stuff. So, yep, agreed. Yep. So oh. you called me and said you like we don't call each other. No one calls <laughs> each other. You you got rang me up on the phone on your road. Yeah. We were like Jason, listen. Uh, I want to talk about a super controversial topic. It's so controversial. People will riot in the streets. They're going to be so upset. You didn't say any of those things. You said, "Hey, I have a cool topic." <laughs> uh. And it's interesting. It's not, I don't think it's controversial, but I think it's interesting. There'll be some parts to it that I think some people will be less happy about. But It's, it's not a topic. <laughs> like when you said it, I was like, like I, if you, like, I didn't respond for a while and I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. I read it right when you sent it, it was like late. Cause you were three hours different. Yeah, yeah. You know, when you sent it, but I'm always still up. So it was like 1230 my time. And I remember reading it and being like, huh? what would we do with that? Like I'm, and then I, the next morning I responded, I was like, that's interesting. Like we should do that. You know, uh, actually I realized I did say, I don't know that I have any good answers, but I'd love to talk about it. <laughs> so yeah. So, yeah. uh, so with all that drama involved, like tell me, tell me, tell us about your topic. Yeah. So, um, basically starting with like, um, my, the first game that I actually worked on, my main goal was to, annoy people who try to map out games <laughs> and get them to not do that um right, i was right, actually right. I, I was watching um succession that show recently mm-hmm, um, and it, yeah th- this is relevant um but like they're doing all these stupid business decision stuff and mm-hmm. and they end up making this like very impactful business decision just based off of gut and emotion and whatnot mm-hmm. and i'm like great Fancy stuff that actually needs thought into it doesn't have thought put into it. Right, but right, right. Board games that have absolutely that just don't matter have mm-hmm. way too much thought put into how to win them. Right, right, right. And so I'm like, I'd love to flip that around a bit. Obviously, yeah. I can't do anything about <laughs> CEOs doing absurd stuff. But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, I can try and trick or force uh, people who try to map out games into being okay with just going with their gut yeah, and their yeah. instincts and all that sort of stuff and just being a bit more chill about things. Because I think if... Also, because if you could do that, it's just more... It makes joining a new group of bar gamers more approachable and welcoming because mm-hmm. there's not yeah, just someone yeah. at the table being like, I'm going to crunch you, just crunch this game into the ground and everyone's going to have a bad time. Right, right. Like, it's just less ruthless, so... Something that came to my mind as you were saying this, I didn't think about how time. This is outside of um, this is outside of board games, but I mean, I guess I would pro- I probably do this in board games. I am probably more of a gut player in general, but I also mm. do appreciate math. Um, mm. And so I like when games 
make it harder for me to do that. So like, I'm into what you're talking about. But when I think about myself personally, what made me think of it was you're talking about the business stuff. You know, when I was in the mortgage industry, a lot of times I would, you know, somebody would say, we need to make a decision on X and it would be a big decision. And immediately my brain gut, whatever would say, this is what we should do, right? Mm -hmm. Like, this is what we should do. And with the business decision, I would of course be like, all right, (laughs) Here's the deal. <laughs> Let's run some numbers and see what we get, right? Because that's what yeah. my team did. So they would run a bunch of numbers. We, you know, figure stuff out. And I was pleased that a lot of times it aligned with my gut. And when it didn't, I would try to figure out why, right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes that would lead to, oh, we missed something. Other times it w- I would just be wrong. And so we would go with the data, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but in my personal life, I found that like a lot of times when somebody says, make this decision, the decision is my, my brain makes it, it says we're doing this, right? Even yeah. if it's a big decision. And then we talk about it and we think about it and we really try and figure stuff out. And in the end, even a lot of times, I feel like if we discover evidence that perhaps doing the other thing might be more likely to be better, I'll still go with my guts. <laughs> and the amount of times that I'm right makes me feel like, my brain calculates things behind the scenes that I don't yeah. notice, right? Um, and and that's I, what I want to lean into as well. It's like, right, right. Humans' brains are weird, right? <laughs> it's kind well, of. Then, oh, go ahead, yeah. go ahead. Oh no, it's just I want to I want to lean into that more and just get people to treat their brains as these weird, squishy things they are, not as these like computers. <laughs> right, right. Well, it's funny though because on that note, like, so I have obsessive compulsive disorder, and mm-hmm. you know something my therapist likes to talk about is like. She's like, there's the OC without the D. So basically like the compulsive, obsessive compulsive part without the disorder part, which is her way of saying like your brain has a superpower. So when you can harness that, then that is the good. That's your bonus for having OCD, right? Mm Because there's obviously a lot of not bonuses for having OCD. Mm -hmm. But what I find for myself is that I think I obsess and think about like have anxiety so much about problems that when I'm presented with a problem and a choice, I have probably already thought a lot about that Mm -hmm. subconsciously, right? Or even somewhat consciously that it's easy for me to just be like, just let's just do this. Right. Mm -hmm. But, but if you ask me to make a decision that is inconsequential, like if my wife's like, what should we have for dinner? (laughs) You're Conduct. just you're just gonna have to pick for me, like yeah, like there was one time something crappy had happened for me, and my wife is like, "Listen, let's go out to dinner wherever you want to go." And I was like, "What I want to do is go out to dinner, and I just want you to pick wherever you <laughs> want to go." <laughs> that is that is what you could do for me. You just tell me where we're gonna go, and then I don't have to worry about that, right? Yeah. Um, sorry, that was a bit of an aside, but the, no, those no, are the I, type of things that really come into my head when you talk about that. Yeah, because it's like board games are just good ways of there's like the artistic medium of people making right. choices right and right 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 whatnot and like but we always make board games be choices around math not choices around uh, tons of other things that we can, can what, do. why do you so. think that is why do we make that the choices um i have opinions on this so do um, i <laughs> so i'm asking you first so i think uh, i mean part of this is definitely just the existing predominant audience and people who make board games are just that specific type of person there's Mm -hmm. i think part of it there's a lot of men who want to be really smart and have to prove it through like big old i made a giant algorithm game thing um like that that i feel like sometimes pops up other times i think it's just easy right it's just Mm -hmm. let's make a game that is math because someone's already done the work to figure out the math economy stuff right Everyone's mm-hmm. obsessed with economics. Let's just turn it into a game. Easy done. <laughs> right, right. Right. Whereas those softer skill things like the, the RPGs more tap into are the things that like typically board gamers aren't into. And I'm not saying mm-hmm. that's what board gamers are, but like typically quote unquote board gamers. <laughs> right, right, right. The board gamers it. you're talking about certainly are yeah. more into the mathy decisions. Yeah. I think though. And I, I think oh, it's just ahead. we've excluded we just skip them because like we're sticking with the easy audience. That, right, that's right. what I think it is. It's just, there are tons more people out there who are into more into other things. And we're just not doing that as much. Part of that though is when I think about successful games, right? 
and people who buy a lot of games, they expect the game to come with a certain amount of balance, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. and math is a really easy way to balance yeah. games, right? I mean, now, John Gilmore, and I've brought this up many times on the show. Like, he said it on the show, and I've also brought it up a lot of times since then, but I will always keep bringing it up because it's such good advice. And he always said, when you make a game start with a spreadsheet and make it mathematically perfect, make it balanced Mm. and then change that to make it fun. (laughs) So, (laughs) and I felt like that was, it's not exactly what you're saying, obviously, because you're saying don't balance anything, you know, but what, but what he was basically saying was start with it being balanced, but recognize that a balanced mathematical game isn't necessarily a fun game, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, Yeah. Well, I think also the the way I kind of think about it usually is more how do I want to make people like think about this problem? Like what mm-hmm, kind of mm-hmm. mindset do I want to get them into? And then how do I tweak all the decisions to force them to do that? Um, right, because right. I think that that mindset that you're I'm trying to get you into is interesting. And then the balance stuff is just to appease people later. Yeah, like, yeah. That's no. how I think about it. <laughs> I actually don't think about balance at all. Right, right. But I mean, you're, but, but if the game gets developed, the the publisher probably thinks about that, right? Sure. Uh, yeah, eventually. But like, <laughs> it's, I, I, I think I'm more coming at it from like, what mindset am I trying to get someone into? Right. And then the right. balance is just, I'll deal with it later if I need to. It's interesting to me to hear your opinions on this, just because when I think about games that I've heard you pitch and talk about, a lot of them are games with shapes and things and, mm-hmm. you know, like to where I would have to think that you did a lot of math to make them work. Nope. Um, so that's really interesting to me that you didn't like, I'm, I'm frankly shocked by that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I think my brain just works spatially. So like that's, which okay. I, I'll yeah. get into later. Yeah. yeah. Um, Cause I think that has something to do with this work playing with your gut thing. Um, yep. Yep. But um yeah, no, I don't. I I just wing it. Because I'm more awesome. just trying, as long as I'm getting the reaction out of people I want, I'm good. Mm-hmm. I, I just know the, or I don't know. I, I'm trying to find the levers to pull, basically. Right, right. So, yeah. Uh, and obviously, I'm super on board with the idea of, like, thinking about how games make people feel, right? And how we mm-hmm. want them to act in the game, not just how we want them to say, you know, is this balanced, you know, and how can I calculate mm-hmm. Um, I mean, a lot of the stuff I've been focusing on recently is nothing to do with balance. It's all to do with your gut and your feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. in fact, when I try to throw in balance and worry about that, it's a pain in the butt. Like build a fire, build a <laughs> big. Like the balance in that is really just that there's the right number of items on the cards you have to throw in, right? And yeah. literally, it is an 18 card game for that reason because that was what the math said and i was happy with that actually no you know what it was a 14 card game and then i threw in four more cards because my gut said and some feedback i got said we need this thing in the game and so i did that and um and that gave us 18 cards i was like well we have four more cards to get to 18 that's a magic number so i'll just add four cards and that should be enough and and it's it's proved to be enough Mm -hmm. um in that game too is one where you know you're talking about like tricking people into using their gut and not using math like there's a system in that game that was suggested actually i think by jack rose tree and they had said like oh you should add these these danger cards in to try to you know they had said something along those lines that made me say okay these danger cards will fix this problem uh and they have and um and that's all about forcing people to go with their gut instead of trying to figure out like Mm-hmm. It's basically just to, you know, keep them on their toes so that yeah. they don't focus on the numbers. They focus yeah. on the conversation and, and the items because that's the yeah. whole, you know, crux of the game. And I mean, it is tricky in board games because like board game, like when you're playing a video game, all of the math gets done by someone else. Like, yeah, computer, I right? like that. I appreciate but like that. in a board game uh, it, and I'm using math in a loose sense here, but like. That you have to do all the math yourself, so you've internalized it, so you know it exists. So, mm-hmm. like, hiding it from the players right. is always just a bit tricky. So, right, I figure segue into like how to get right, people right, to right, use their right. gut. That's that's my rant about why I think pe- people should make more games about using your gut. But the best way I've found, 
um, and th- this obviously is for a very specific genre of game, is randomizers are good for forcing people to not try and figure everything else out, right? Yeah, yeah, like, that's true. People use that in games all the time, right? But a dice, when you roll it, you know the probability of it, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's You're going to get a six, one, six of the time. Sure. Throw seven dice at the same time and do some funky combination of things. You're brain's not gonna actually be able to figure it out but you like, also but there's you know a when you throw there. two dice that seven is the most likely i mean like uh, yeah if you've ever played Catan, you understand the breakdown yeah. of dice and what so, those two dice are likely to do so that doesn't really force you to play with your gut because you're still optimizing probabilities mm-hmm, right you mm-hmm. can still figure out the expected uh output what i think is a better randomizer are people um Ooh, okay because people you can have a look at the player across from you and be like, well, I think they're likely to do this and they're probably more likely to do this than that. But you can't say that like Jason is one sixth, like like 66% likely to like do repeating, this move. Repeating, of course. Right. Yes, repeating. Course. repeating. <laughs> like you can't do that. Um, you all your all your probabilities are relative to each other. It's this. Right, they're right, more right. likely to do this than this. You might be like them they're twice as likely to do this as this, but like right. you're never actually gonna be able to figure it no, out. No, they're just assumptions, right? They're yeah, they're guesses and assumptions. That's and so it. this is why I think um I was just playing No Thanks. And I think this one does a good job at this. I love because, No Thanks. Huh? I love No Thanks. Yeah, No Thanks is great. So for context, you're trying not to get cards, and every time you put a chip down to say no thanks, then it goes around and you either mm-hmm. take all the chips in the card. Or you put another chip down, right? And, I mean, it is kind of a very mathy game. It's like the chips are positive points, the cards are negative points. However, the part that is really fuzzy that yeah. forces you to play with your gut is you don't know how likely the other players are to let it go all the way around again, right? You want to get right. as many well, chips under it as possible. <laughs> but you don't know how you don't well, know how scared they are. I, I Maybe we're not playing the right way, but the way we play, you have to hold the chips in your hand. Oh yeah, they're also hidden. So no account. one knows how many chips you can bluff that you have chips by just keeping your hand closed. You can yeah. have one, and they think you have ten. You, but I mean, even know. that you don't know if someone's gonna panic and be like, "Shoot, I'm just gonna take it now before it doesn't come back right. around to me." Right, right. right. So yes. like that's why I think people are the best randomizers if you're trying to it's get true. people to, to use their gut because you just you just can't actually predict it. There's no way. Right, right, right. But there is a likeliness that you can put on it, right? So mm-hmm. it still makes you feel good. It still makes you feel like you're making a decision. You're thinking about mm-hmm. what the other player's doing. You go through all the normal motions, but then you have to stop at that kind of fuzzy level instead of like actually figuring it out. Because mm-hmm. like you can look at it and be like, well, technically it's negative 10 points on this and you got 10 points in this. So logically you should do this. But that's right. not how people work. <laughs> right, right. So. Because a lot of people can't do that math in their head yeah. or don't want to do that math in their head, you know? Yeah. Or they just get into the mind games thing of like, well, you just mathed it out. So I'm just going to take it because I don't right. like that. Right. Right. <laughs> right? right. I'm just going to I'm not going to let you control this game. I'm going to control it first. <laughs> right. And by controlling and, you, mean I'm just going to go ahead and lose. You're not going to beat me. <laughs> I'm going to lose. Yeah. Because I, I always find it funny sometimes when people say you didn't do the logical thing in this game. And that's why I lost. It's like, what do you mean? They didn't do the logical thing in the game. So that's why your strategy fell apart. No, nah, you just weren't understanding that the people are the part of the game that you need to so, pay attention to okay but i have some opinions about that uh-huh, sure. all right yeah, so yeah. let's just quick so um i was actually going to talk about some other stuff with like playing like um competitive games and stuff but mm-hmm. instead i'm just going to talk about poker for a minute okay. I'm specifically talk about texas hold'em um because i think that's something everyone's familiar with um mm-hmm. for people that aren't everyone's dealt two cards uh, and then three cards are dealt to the center of the table that are shared by everyone. You're making the best five card hand. That's called the flop. The first three cards come out. People are able to bet. And then uh, the turn comes out, which is one more card. And then finally, the um, the uh, river comes out. That's the last card. You are using the two cards in your hand plus three of the cards out there to make the best five card hand. That's the goal, right? So, um, so here's the thing about that. Like... It is frustrating mm-hmm. to like, I, so I, I didn't like play like big time or anything, but I, I played yeah. with some groups. We, we played for some money. We would always just like have a buy-in and then, you know, it was like, we would split up prizes and stuff. And I was pretty solid at it. I'm decent with math. I'm very good at bluffing. 
I'm really good at reading people. But every once in a while, you'd play with like a new player who didn't understand the game, right? Mm -hmm. So, and this is where your people become the variable that can be very annoying, right? Where (laughs) when, you know, you see uh, a seven and a two come out on the flop and you're like, the chances that somebody just flopped two pair of a seven and a two are very unlikely because seven and two is known to be like the hand that you fold because it's so awful. Right. So if I see a seven and a two come out and then a higher card that I have, I'm like, all right, good. And, or, you know, if they're going like on a straight draw, that's very unlikely. Right. Mm. They're playing poorly. Right. I mean, like objectively, they are not playing the game well. Right. Sure. That doesn't mean they're not going to win big because they stayed in. You keep raising. You're doing all the things, you know, the correct things we'll say. I say in quotes. Yeah. Uh, And they're like, I'm going all in. And they go all in. And then on the river, another seven comes up. And now they have a full house and they beat you. Right. Mm -hmm. Like. That's annoying. And, And here's what I find most annoying about it. What I find most annoying about it isn't that I lost. It's that they just learned that they they think they did something right. They think that was a good idea, right? Like nothing told them that was a good idea, right? But now they think it's a good idea. Mm-hmm. So they're like, I am so good at this game. And you're like, but you're not though. <laughs> you you made bad choices and got lucky, right? Now, I think for regular board games, this does not apply at all, right? Yeah. But like that is the best example I can think of of where somebody is objectively playing incorrectly according to like all of the data available all of everything you should know about the game right mm-hmm. you know, I, I once saw someone they wanted to be stupid like literally like i'm just gonna lose Catan, and they played only on twos and elevens mm-hmm. and they destroyed everyone because <laughs> twos and elevens just happen to come up constantly that game yeah um, I think the next place they built was like a three, like, which was another thing that was very unlikely. And literally it just kept coming up. And then yeah. in the end they were like, ha I got you. I guess I am good at this game. And I'm like, no, you're not like, like you got lucky. Like, right. I mean, so, so actually, so I, I agree with you. <laughs> you can, you can disagree. Of... It's okay. No, no, no. I'm, I'm passionate I agree about with this, you. This I agree me. with you, but I sort of love that. Uh, that's what I want, right? That's what I'm saying. Those those things are fun sometimes. And I want to kind of force that stupidness and that like right. your gut working. Um, because that person who their gut worked, their gut as in like they just did something silly because whatever. Well, that's the we'll thing. It wasn't it like they got, I got a good feeling about this. They were just <laughs> like, oh, this is funny. And they did it. And then it worked and it was funny. Well, Yes, I will give you that the Catan one was funnier than anything. Yeah. I just don't like that guy anymore. Sure. It turns out he was a big creep. Um, so that makes it less funny. But yeah. the poker thing, I don't think is funny. Like you're playing a competitive game. So that's for where I'm money. like, if it's competitive for money. It's their money, right? They can totally waste it in that way. Yeah. But I don't. I I very much. I feel like as as humans we are made to to learn lessons from stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Like we're like, you know, like when we fail, we should learn from it. When we do something dumb, we should be forced to learn from that, right? But I, I yeah. saw this quote from The Office recently, which like I think would apply very well to um, to that situation. Like if it was me, like going out, like getting knocked out of a tournament because somebody, you know, ended up with a, a flush off a 7-2, that they should have folded on, but they just did whatever, you know? And it's that it's Dwight and Ryan, uh, if you're familiar with the show and um, mm-hmm. they, something goes wrong in, in Ryan, the younger guys, like, I don't understand. Like, wh- what did we do? Like, I don't know what, wh- I don't, what do we learn from this? And Dwight says, and Dwight's normally an idiot, but he says, not everything's a lesson, Ryan. Sometimes you just fail. Right. Like, and that's like, what the, that's to me, like those situations where like, I'm not going to take away like, well, I guess that I should tr- try a seven two next time because that's mm. not smart. Right. Um, that kind of stuff just annoys me. Like I, I don't like <laughs> I'm down with all the other gut stuff, but that type of thing. 
I, I don't like people doing dumb things and then having a big like win offset dumb thing and then learning that dumb thing was the right thing to do really really struggle with that like that's real hard for me but what if the dumb thing keeps working over and over because everyone else keeps expecting you to do the quote-unquote correct thing because that's what happens anyway I, I, so yeah, I think what happened in your situation, not going to happen just for the, yeah, yeah. I think what happened in your situation is more like mismatching expectations around how you're playing the game. I more want to get everyone on that other guy's game level, you know, rather than try to put two people who are trying to get different things out of this in the same room. Yeah. yeah, I'm trying to get everyone on that person's level. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And you know what? Like when it comes to board games, I want to be that guy that can make the crazy choice, right? That can go mm-hmm. for the long shot, right? Yeah. Like, I think that's fun, right? I would rather that than super focus on, like, doing the math. Because, like, I have to stop myself from doing the math. So, like, mm-hmm. for me, one of the best things that I like to do that I think helps this is that you, you know, use obfuscation, right? Like, what can mm-hmm. I hide from the players? And yeah. the easiest one that a lot of games do is you just hide the points from the players, right? Make uh-huh. it so that you don't know how many they have. And I was talking a lot about Taverns of Tiefenthal last time that uh, I think when Emily was on. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, with that, if you want to count cards on your opponents, you can. You, If that is what brings you joy to the game, I say do it. It's not going to make you win the game. It's just going to show you that you're going to lose or going to win based on what you're counting, right? Um, yeah. But like... Yeah, yeah. I I think that when you can obfuscate you know, layers of obfuscation, right? So that you can't figure out how the magic works inside the game. Mm-hmm. Like I like that because yeah. then it really makes it hard to be like this is what I got to do. This is the smart thing, right? Mhm. Yeah, yeah. And again, what I said before, I think people are great at being that like secret goals, um different people evaluating different stuff at different values push your luck against other players like who's gonna exit first like all those sorts of Mm -hmm. things are great at like fuzzying that all out so you can't do it that was um thinking about it with unreal estate it really is a people timer like you're suggesting mm -hmm. because basically you've got cards that are going into this like trash pile or the scrap piles it's called and then i want to score cards for my hand and i'm going to score points based on the number of cards that i have in my hand that match cards in the scrap pile right but when I mm-hmm. do that, I'm going to then get rid of the cards in the scrap pile. So the next person now mm-hmm. is going to score a lot less points, right? Yeah. And really, it is the people timer thing. When I said yeah. pressure luck, you know, competitive pressure luck against each other, really, it's what you described. It's the people are the timer. Yeah. Stuff is happening, um, but I have to decide, am I going to do it this way or do it that way, you know? Yeah. Like, Herbaceous is a great one for this, too. Have you played oh, that? I haven't tried that before. I love it. Um, you basically draw a card, put one of them into the center uh, that everyone has access to, and then one into your private garden. And there, there's like seven types of herbs, and that's all the cards are. And then basically you either do that, you either draw a card, add it to the center, add it to your private garden, mm-hmm. or you take a set. <laughs> and the set is like all different uh, things, all the same flower, mm, okay. pairs yeah. of them, whatever. But you can take them from that central garden. <laughs> So you're adding you're adding more and more cards and that set's getting better and better and better in the middle and you're just waiting to see who's t- who's like risk averseness is going to kick in first because <laughs> if they take it they're all gone now then you can't take them. Um, right, right. So yeah, it's great. You have to figure it's not only you got to figure out like what's likely to come out next and what sets are going to come up but you also have to figure out the other person's risk level (laughs) Mm -hmm. and that is tricky um and i love that sort of stuff so yeah that's that's like the big bucket i think that like works the easiest for all of this if you're ever trying Mm -hmm. to make people play with their gut just think of other ways to make the players be the like randomizers and fuzziness Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um yeah yeah bid bidding games are great for this um especially like blind bidding games Mm -hmm. i know some Mm -hmm. people don't like those but i think all the people who don't like those 
uh, don't like the lack of control they get. <laughs> and blind so I think bidding, there's other ways. Oh, blind sorry, bidding. I, I just want to make sure that I that I'm thinking of blind bidding the right way. Like that would be where we all pick something up in our hands and then we reveal at the same time right so like so it's like simultaneous bidding yeah yeah and so Um, one of my games like some people don't like it because they're like well it's it's all just random i don't know what other people are going to figure out blah 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 i think if those people like spent a bit they'd figure out that maybe they're just bad and it's not not that it's random it's that they're playing as bad as random (laughs) and that's why it feels random Mm -hmm. but anyway that's a separate thing um but so some people do that and just don't like it and one way I've found to um, get people to be a bit more okay with it, because what they're okay with, what they're not okay with is the failure. Mm-hmm. Right? They just like, I did all this thinking and then it just broke. Nothing happened. Bad. Mm-hmm. Um, so this game I've been working on recently, um, it's a simultaneous bidding game. Um, there are five sets of things out for bid. Um, and you have two bids. You can basically bid on two of them. Um, out of the five. Mm-hmm. And if two people bid on the same thing at the same time, and it, like the bids are the same value, right? It's not like a higher lower. So if two people bid on the same thing at the same time, no one gets it and it hangs around until the next round when you can bid <laughs> on it again, mm-hmm. right? And, but if you're the only person, you get it. Um, vaguely, like, um, there's a couple of other games like this, but... Um, um, go like, Nuts for uh, Donuts. Go Nuts for Donuts, yeah. yeah that was this like, is my... something that does something like that. Yeah, this uh, this was the other one where I accidentally designed Go Nuts for Donuts and then looked up. I was trying to find some like set collection cards I could just substitute in and found Go Nuts for Donuts. And I was like, well, this works. Through. I was like, oh. <laughs> anyway, I've, I've tweaked it enough now. Um, but um, I, I changed the numbers of like how many things are out there. So there's five things available, three players, two bids each, such that you're pretty much guaranteed to fail in the first round. Like, it's going to happen, which means mm-hmm. you're automatically usually more okay with failing again and again and again, because you've already been, like, set up for that, right? However, mm-hmm. I, when when you don't fail in the first round, but then you fail three rounds in, it just feels terrible. Um, so I think that's one other trick for, that's one trick for getting people to play with their gut um, and, like, be okay with playing with their gut. Yeah, this is more mm-hmm. in the get them to be okay with playing in their with their gut is just to kind of set them up for failure quickly and get it over with <laughs> so that they're in the mood, basically, right? They're like, this is going to mm-hmm. be nonsense. I can't math it out. And it's totally fine because everyone else is failing. I'm failing. This is great, right? Mm-hmm. And people people laugh when they like bid on the same thing at the same time, like three times in a row, right? It's It becomes funny instead of frustrating because it just happens constantly. Um, right. So that's one trick I found for making people okay with it, um, which I think is kind of similar to your uh, build a fire one, where where you've got your like there's this threat. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Just get just tell them how to feel, basically. Right. Right. One of the things, one of the games that I loved when it first came out, well, when I first played it, and I've talked about this game before, it was a game that ended up being called Aether Magic, and it never actually like was published. I think the original game was by um, it was by a designer. I don't remember his name off the top of my head, um, but uh, oh, it was Matt Warden, um, and he designed this game. I, I got to play test it really early on after the company had just bought it, and I was in love with it. And it was blind bidding, and what I loved about the blind bidding was the publishers were like what's so cool about this you know what well they didn't say this they said here's what keeps happening is that we keep seeing that when certain people play the game like people bid like crazy and when Mm -hmm. other people bid play the game they bid real little bits right (laughs) and they were like and they saw this as a problem to fix Mm -hmm. and then they engineered the fun right out of the game um and then the game never made it um but like that is where you can super go wrong with that, right? Where you can say mm-hmm. like, look, we've got this random system and people are playing the game they want to play when they play it. Mm-hmm. But we think it's not good because it's not balanced. But but yeah. it's a blind bidding game, so it is balanced, right? Because like it's yeah. what are people willing to pay? It's 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 a closed economy, right? I mean, like it the the money you have there is there. Yeah. Um another game that did a really good job with that was 
wasn't Area 51. It was some name like that, though. Um, I don't remember what the name of the game was, but it was like Area 51. And you were basically, or like Warehouse 51. It might have been Warehouse 51. And you were um, opening these, like buying these items. But whenever you bought something, the money went to the person to your left, right? Okay. So it was open. And I knew what I was giving money to. But also, like, it just, it made it incredibly variable, right? In ways that it could be frustrating. Like, I started hoarding money, and Rob was to my left, and then he, like, spent a good portion of the game not being able to afford anything, and then all of a sudden was super rich on, like, the last turn when I bought a ton of stuff mm-hmm. and won all the auctions and stuff because I could. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, that was another game where I, I thought it did a good job in making it very people-powered. So mm-hmm. I liked that about it. Yeah, and it's like that those games they're yeah they're not balanced, but it's like that's where I'm like I don't care about the math part. I don't care about it balanced. Did did that ridiculous last turn happen where suddenly you got a ton of money and everyone was like, oh my gosh, how did that happen? It was fun. We had yeah, fun, it's fun. With it, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like I don't know. I so this this bidding game, the one where you bounce off of each other. Uh, one person. Uh, we played a whole game and they bounced off on both of their cards every single round. They got no cards for the whole game. And Uh-oh. it was kind of great though. <laughs> like, Did they think they it were, was kind of great though? They were, they were, and that, but that's what I think. It's like, get, if you can get into the mindset, yeah, it's great because this, this game doesn't matter. Right. 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 Like well, it doesn't like you can make, it can be frustrating, but if you can set it up so that it's a silly thing that happened, not a you are an idiot and that is why you failed. Right. Like that's a, that's where it becomes frustrating. It's like like with the poker thing. The reason it was frustrating is because you lose a bunch of money. Right, right. 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 But if it's like a silly game that doesn't matter and you make it so that everyone's in that mood, mm. it doesn't matter. Right? right. Right. And you can be okay with it. And as long as you're not judging like if the game is judging you for mm-hmm. failing over and over then it feels bad. But if the game doesn't judge you and the game's like, yeah, no, this is going to happen. <laughs> so right. That's how it works. When that happens though, does that, does that stop them from playing the rest of the game or is the game still, like you trying. can still do stuff. <laughs> they keep trying. They keep trying. This person, this is the only time I saw this happen. Uh, and I did like one little tweak so that they could like participate a bit more. Um, okay. okay. But um, yeah, no, they just kept trying, kept trying to pivot and they just kept like, because there were two other people in the game and they just kept accidentally swapping who was getting in their way mm-hmm. and so they were, they were just kind of joking about how they kept bumping into the other person and they kept timing it wrong when they were pivoting right so like there was a story happening there was stuff happening right um, right right it might have been like maybe a little bit more frustrating than it needed to be but like it was still <laughs> sometimes i'm i want that sort of stuff to happen you know right because right, it's just right. that's the kind of mood i want like sometimes silly frustrating stuff happens and as long as we can frame it as hey it's fine (laughs) like Mm -hmm. that happens then everything can be okay whereas a lot of these games since they're so concerned about balance if you do anything wrong in the game it is your fault and you're a bad silly idiot person (laughs) right right like that's how these hyper balanced games feel because they're so balanced it's your fault if you failed and you're bad (laughs) Right. right right but if the game is just being goofy not your fault <laughs> something's mm-hmm. goofy just mm-hmm. happened so that's why i think like party games and mass market games a lot of them just lean into it right it just doesn't matter they're all random fests but like fun, right, ridiculous right. stuff happens tons well, then, of people play them like i think about a game like no context like mm-hmm. the idea of balancing that game there's i mean like i'm just gonna let the i'm just gonna let the cat out of the bag here y'all that game is not balanced because there's nothing to balance right like there's mm-hmm. scoring in it and i yeah. guess the scoring is balanced i mean kind of we honestly that was the thing we tested <laughs> the least was how the scoring worked because it doesn't matter right it's a party game yeah. Yeah. the scoring is just like the biggest thing we did to balance the scoring was we had it so that if multiple people guessed your thing you got multiple points for it and we mm-hmm. were like it's more fun if you only get points if someone does and if five people guess it, you don't get any more points. Mm-hmm. So your job is to make this just understandable enough that one person 
will do mm-hmm. it. And then no yeah. one else will, because you don't want them getting points. You just want the first person to get right. Um, and so yeah. that was um that I think that was the biggest thing we balanced. But other than that, it's literally cards with pictures on it, and mm-hmm. it's all people powered, right? It's just mm-hmm. all like people are the randomizer there because yeah. you have to try and think like they're thinking, which is really hard. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Yeah, and I mean that's the whole apples to apples genre, right? Is like playing with your gut. It's really, really popular. Right, right. And right. I think just board gamers, quote unquote board gamers, you know, <laughs> the, mm-hmm. the typical board gamer forgets that those are actually way more popular than any of their most popular games. Right. <laughs> I have complained before, though, about people picking the objectively wrong answer <laughs> in Apples to Apples, where it's like everyone knows this was the funniest one. Okay. It was that but was the, the funniest the judge, one. The judge. Is the random element here? <laughs> we're all turning on the judge because they were wrong. We're just like That's you. You fair. can pick that one. We just want you to know you were incorrect. Not the funniest, but it's your choice, so it's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, I may take apples to apples a little too seriously. It sounds like. <laughs> but yeah, so that's yeah. If getting people to play with their gun and being okay with it is just something i want more of in the like mm-hmm. hobby game scene because yeah, like yeah mass markets already got it down and covered they're they're good yeah <laughs> but, but you're like, right though yeah hobby could use it yeah and like there are a lot of games that do it it's just ugh, so many the typical <laughs> game that people think of is the I, opposite i think that's the thing with it though right man like like a lot of games in the hobby market do it but a lot mm-hmm. of those games are silly fun games right Mm -hmm. where you can't math out the winning because they're just not made that way Mm -hmm. but like when you you're right when it comes to your standard board game Mm -hmm. there's a lot of math you can figure out in that game to see if you're going to win or not right yeah um because that is one thing that i i think it's super like it's unfun for people when one person is taking forever with their turns because they're doing math to figure out whether or not they can win right yeah and then when they figure out they can't, they just make the game unfun for everyone else. Because, well, yeah. I can't win. So I guess everyone else might as well not have fun. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, I just want to bridge that gap a little bit. Because, right, yeah, right. mass market games have already done it. I don't need to do that. I just want to kind of bridge it, which is why another way I think you can do this is spatial puzzles. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Spatial puzzles have math to them. They definitely do. But it's not the type of math that gets taught in high school. um so people don't think about it right everyone gets taught about you know supply and demand Mm -hmm. but no one gets taught about like graph theory or some people do right you know it's it's much less common so i think spatial puzzles are great at being fuzzy because especially and this is why polyomino games are kind of great and why i love them like Mm -hmm. you totally can Mm -hmm. method out but it's just you more have to go with the intuition of like well i think that kind of fits here (laughs) right 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 I think uh, you're just using all of these like rough heuristics to kind of make things fit. Yeah. I think there's a lot more it. like rough probability in your head. Right. Of like yeah. with, with some game like patchwork, for instance, mm-hmm. you might glance at the pieces left and think, okay, well, I see three pieces that could fit for sure mm-hmm. in this. And if I put it this other way, I see two or yeah. one or none. So yeah. I'm going to do it this way and hope. Um, which is a lot less than like, how many points is this going to leave me yeah. if I do this? You look at it and go, that's an awkward shape. And that is a right. totally valid way for everyone to like right, analyze right, that right. shape. It's just calling it awkward. Everyone gets it, but right, it's not right, mathematical. Right. <laughs> but you will get it. And I think that's interesting. Um, right, right. I so... mean, one thing I want to point out is there are still better and worse moves, right? We're not trying to take oh, yeah. that away. No, no, We're no, just no, trying yeah. to take away you know, the obviousness of that. Yeah. The like, there is, and yeah. And trying to take away the like smart, uh, I did this move because I am a smart person-ness, I think (laughs) is like also one I want to take away a little bit. I want to like, there are different types of intelligence. Right, 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 right. So I want to kind of embrace more of like, I can spatially see how this kind of fits together and my brain mm-hmm, kind mm-hmm. of put it in the right way because it did stuff in the background, right? Or I kind of understand how that person works and I know how their risk assessments are, right? Mm-hmm. Like yep. there's lots of different 
different ways we can look into it other than just like I can crunch numbers <laughs> and I can see 10 steps into the future. Mm-hmm. Like that's the normal one. Um, yeah. So spatial puzzles are great. Um, the other one that I like, which maybe is a little bit, um, uh, sometimes you can math it out, but I find putting things on a seesaw <laughs> is a, is a fun way to um, get people to accept that they're not going to be able to be perfect. Tell me more um, and about by seesaw, that. I just mean, um, so Hedge Mage, my game, is a good example for this. Um, when you put a tile down to make your hedge maze with polyominoes, mm-hmm. um, you're trying to make a maze. Um, so you're trying to put it in the most blocking spot for the other player to make it difficult to move around. Okay. However, where you put that tile in relation to all the other tiles, I won't get too much into it. Basically, where you put it determines how much movement you get for running around the other person's maze, right? So, mm-hmm. you have to, on one end of the seesaw is blocking the other person perfectly, and on the other end of the seesaw is having enough movement to not get blocked on the other side, and you have to decide which way to tip it, right? right. And neither is better than the other, because you need to do both. And doing the middle one every single time like like perfectly balancing them doesn't usually work <laughs> mm-hmm. because sometimes you need to book it real quick and sometimes you need to block them right now right, right and so right. putting things on a seesaw makes it so that you it's just a bit trickier to balance because you have to think about things a bit more holistically usually um like the game is basically saying you're gonna get the same amount of stuff no matter what mm-hmm. How, you, there's no best move here there's just a bunch of different ones. They're all going to give you the same value, <laughs> roughly. Right, right. Uh, pick which values you want. Right, right, um, right, right. So those are uh, those can definitely be more mathematical sometimes, but like I find that putting stuff on a seesaw usually makes things a bit fuzzier. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I'm trying to think of some yeah, other that's interesting. To do it. Um, and there's the whole like, oh, do I get first turn order? Like, a lot of Euro games do this, where it's like, if mm-hmm. you go first, you get less resources, but if you go last, right. you get lots of resources. Right, right. That's the whole seesaw thing, right? It's just mm-hmm. a bit of a fuzzier decision, because now you need to play it against, well, I could go last, but then I need to figure out, does anyone else going to take the thing I'm going to take? Do right. I actually care about this? Right. Do I, just want do, the, I... do I just want the resources? And it's like, how do I balance turn order versus three gold? There is no match there. <laughs> Right, so there's no easy translation. So I think that's that's a good seesaw that makes it fuzzy. Is if you can't, if there there is no direct translation between the two, um, and that's why like I think it works in hedge mage just because like my movement versus your blocking, mm-hmm. um, they're on totally different scales. They're in totally different right. mazes. It just right. they're not equal. <laughs> yeah, they're yeah. not comparable. So I like that a lot. Yeah. Cool. Um. Yeah, that's my that's my list of ways to kind of do it. And then the biggest pitfall I've run into is some people just don't like it. <laughs> oh, of course. Yeah. Like what you were saying about the poker thing. Um, mm-hmm. I, the other guy having a great time. You having a terrible time. Right, right, right. You're not going to get around it sometimes. And I've definitely run into that. And what I've, as sometimes you just have to do small little incremental steps. Well, I think, you know, one of the things that just literally popped into my head as you said that was like, what's the difference between poker? Obviously, there's the whole money thing. But the big difference is poker is 100% a zero-sum game, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I win, you lose. Mm -hmm. And that's in every point of the game, I win, you lose, right? Um, So I think that when that's not happening in a game constantly, right – Or where it's, you know, I win more, like it's the resource thing, right? I choose with the seesaw what I want. Um, You still may get something that's objectively better, say, even though I know with the seesaw, that's not the idea. But if you do, it doesn't matter because we we both didn't lose, right? Mm -hmm. You know, so yeah, yeah. that's how I feel about that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. um, That's all I got. Awesome. Well, that was a good, uh, good combo. I like that. So sorry, I got so upset about the poker thing. I didn't realize I how much was rage gonna, I had. I told about you it was going to get a little bit controversial. It's interesting because <laughs> I haven't thought about poker like that in a very long time. 
and then really like that was just like um yeah i was just like yeah. wow that is i have i have opinions about that <laughs> i didn't even have opinions i have feelings about that yeah <laughs> awesome well so now um funny enough like you, I was like, hey, do you have a game to pitch? You're like, I don't know what to pitch. I was like, oh, I've got something I can throw out there. And as we've talked, I realized that this game is like super walks the line of what we're talking about. Um, and I picked it because it's one of my it's one of my journaling games that I'm working on. Uh, so it's a solo like RPG journaling game, mm-hmm. but um, it involves math and mm-hmm. some other stuff. And so because of that, I was like, oh, wow, like there's actually some like there's actually some interesting correlation and choices here. Um, so I'm going to talk about it. I may have pitched this a long time ago. I don't think I did, but I might have talked about it. So yeah, um, so here we go. Um, the name of the game is The Sound of Inevitability. Um, it, you may have heard that phrase before. Um, if you have, uh, it's, it's quoted in the beginning of the game. It's literally from The Matrix. Um, okay. In the movie The Matrix, uh, there's a part where the agent Smith is going to kill Neo and there's a train coming. He says, do you hear that sound? Mr. Anderson, that's the sound of inevitability. It's the sound of your death. Um, and then he's like, my name is Neo. And he beats the crap out of <laughs> agent Smith. And it turns out it's not the sound of his death, but in this game it is. Um, mm-hmm. So in this game, the setup is uh, again, it's a, it's a journaling game. Uh, the setup for the story is that um, you wake up and everything in the world is gone like it's like all the people all the living things are gone it's just you you don't know Mm -hmm. why it doesn't matter right um and so you start wandering around looking for signs of life and this is kind of the opening part of the story that it tells you um it's been like two weeks when this starts but you spend a couple days wandering around and stuff um and then at some point you see this like large silver shape like we'll say maybe eight feet tall um on the horizon and it seems to be getting closer to you and when it gets close enough you realize that it is this like large bipedal machine um that is coming for you that does not Mm -hmm. look like it wants to be friends with you (laughs) um and it gets close enough to where you realize that it is it is following you and it is trying to murder you right um so you start walking right And so now we fast forward to two weeks later, you've managed to keep ahead of the machine. And here's where the math part comes in. You figured out the machine will walk 24 miles a day. Mm -hmm. It walks one mile an hour. It never stops. Easy math, right? Mm -hmm. And then what you're deciding basically to unlock the next page, every page um, starts with a location and then ends with a goal to the next location, right? Mm -hmm. Actually starts with a location and then has spacing to journal and stuff like that ask you a question and then the next you know you have to earn the right to get the next page by filling out this little mileage chart on the side always needing to stay ahead of this thing following you mm-hmm. and here's the catch of the game it tells you the game comes with a content warning that says imminent and inevitable death like you will die at the end of this game that's how mm-hmm. the game works right that's the point of the game yeah um so there's some charts and stuff that basically says like you can walk eight hours a day and you'll walk 24 miles, which is pretty awesome. Cause that's how far the robot will walk. So if you can stay ahead of it, <laughs> you can win. But the problem is you have to stop at places. You have to find food. If you don't eat yeah. food, the amount of miles you can walk goes down or the hours. It's all based on hours to make it easier. Mm-hmm. If you don't sleep enough. Right. And then slowly the mileage between places starts getting further and further to make it harder. Right. Cause again, mm-hmm. you're supposed to lose. Um, mm-hmm. But then the game starts to offer you choices, distracting choices, like, you know, it's to see really at what point will you start to make choices that are less about distance Mm -hmm. and more about enjoying Mm -hmm. what you've got. Things like a scenic overlook that's going to take time, but it's going to let you see something and, you know, like enjoy it. Um, a book that you may want to end up staying up later to read because it's, you're finding, you know, you're finding it interesting. Um, you see, say postcards about an attraction and you're like, I want to go to this place and see this. But like, so it's all about journaling and making these choices 
knowing how the game ends and how do you decide the goal, right? Mm-hmm. Of like, how far do I want to go, you know, based, based on how, how many of these things do I want to enjoy? Does that, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I like that. It's yeah. It's like the math isn't there as a goal. It's just there as like a, an, right. a, piece, a piece of information. <laughs> right. And the math is supposed to be so obvious that you can, yeah. that's why eight hours, three miles an hour gets you 24 miles. That's yeah. he, it's going 24. You're going 24. Yeah. Now you have to make other choices, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and telling you know, people they're going to fail at the start so they don't right. have to worry about yes. ending. It makes it yes. easier. Yeah. But I think it'll tell a lot about the choices people make by how far they make it in the game, right? Mm-hmm. Like, meaning, like, how many miles do they go? There's an endpoint. There's a spot where, like, you start to get, like, bigger and bigger gaps to where you probably, it's too like, far. yeah, it's going to be too far <laughs> and you're going to to lose out. Um, and so, so really with that, it's just like, yeah, again, make the choices and in, in talk about how you feel about those choices. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. So I'm excited about this one. I actually had forgotten about this one and I'm showing a company, several of these ideas, uh, coming up here. Nice. And, um, cause I've got like, I think I have eight different, um, eight or nine different ones that I'm working on um with cool game i'm gonna i'm gonna throw out some names here without telling you any more information the one i'm working on most right now is called deadwood maples um i will tell you that one's about bowling in the 1970s um uh dog (laughs) mom uh if we turn around now yeah i've talked about dog mom before ride or die um which is a two-player journaling game uh, that i'm really stoked about and then this one i have several others that i'm working on the goal with this was that I wanted each of these games to have a reason to exist, not just be like, I know that sounds dumb, right? Like obviously. Right. But to not be just, you know, like derivative of the, of the previous, right? Like I want it mm-hmm. to be like, this is what you're going to get out of this game. If you play it. Right. Yeah. Um, and they're all different in their own way. They all you know, ask different questions. Dog mom has like a calendar system in it that you mm-hmm. use to determine you know how hard things are going to be um deadwood maples every page is a frame like every page is a frame of the game you're bowling and and with that mm-hmm. you're going to bowl a 300 that's the, that's the thing about it. you're going to bowl a perfect game uh-huh. you know that at the beginning but it's the process of getting there and the game actually deals with imposter syndrome uh, mm-hmm. around that um so yeah yeah so i'm i'm super stoked about these and having found publishers now from thanks to the unpub speed pitch where there's people that are like oh this kind of game really interests me and i'm like oh wow i gotta i gotta get working on these things because i've got several that are you know 20 percent through um and i need to just knock out the first drafts of them to start being able to test them so yeah yeah i love hearing about all your little solo journaling games and everything i'm really excited about them i mean they're just they're very different right than you know all the other stuff we work on yeah i appreciate and i like that (laughs) yeah 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 definitely yeah we need more more different stuff right we need weird stuff right yeah like get weird games out there that really cross borders for what the expectations are of Mm -hmm. of the game you know of of Mm -hmm. board games for sure. I mean, the thing that a lot of board game reviewers are, seem to be doing right now is, I think we're getting a bit tired of Euro games. I think. Yeah, I'm like. <laughs> so uh, yeah, my Perfect clock time. says I was tired of those three or four years ago, but um, you know. <laughs> yeah. So this is the perfect time to get into weird stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. And with you know me going to school to be be a counselor, like this mm-hmm. is all very much in line with you know all of these have mental health implications, and mm-hmm. so that's been really inspiring for like, what yeah. do I want to tackle with this? yeah um yeah yeah I appreciate and that. it's it's funny because this all started with with compulsed a game about ocd that is very much against what we're talking about here like it's all <laughs> like math and like yeah. figuring out how to break rules and how to work around rules like um because that's the point of the game yeah. right? like that's the reason it exists but i think it does it in a way that's very different basically it allows you to cheat right mm-hmm. it allows you to cheat without cheating right yeah and that's cool like i yeah. love that games that make you feel like you're cheating 
because things are so cool that always feels really good yeah yeah i guess i should say i don't i don't think we should never do any game <laughs> that isn't about oh no no, no 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 I, I, yeah, I understand yeah. what you're saying yes, my, no. my my thing is more just if you're like don't just default to the math version of games because that's how games work if you're gonna right, do right, like yours right. is so specifically choosing the math yeah side yeah, of yeah, yeah 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 but you're on saying purpose yeah don't just be like this this game is perfectly balanced because i want people to do math to win this game yeah and that's every game i design no i'm with you i'm with you yeah yeah so yeah. this was fun man i, I like yeah. this discussion cool thanks for having me yeah well hey listeners i hope you enjoyed our conversation as well hope you found it interesting and controversial um <laughs> but uh yeah if you um uh want to get in touch with us you can go to buildinggamepodcast.com there you can join uh find a link to join our discord you should super super get on that we've had even more people popping into our discord we are loving it uh our weekly meetups are awesome uh, we've actually talked about just today we're talking about trying some other stuff around that too so um yeah so i i would love to have you there to be part of the community. In addition to that, of course, you can go um, email us to building a podcast at gmail.com. Um, and you actually too can do the same thing you always do, which is keep coming back every single week. But until next time, good night. Good night. Building the game, building the game with Jason and friends, with Jason and friends. Building the game, building the game with Jason and friends, with Jason and friends. The end of the episode, that's when it technically ends.